Yeah. Also, like Barry White should also be on this track, you know? Yeah, baby. That's how you knew you were a sexy singer. Like a skit intro. You either sang way too high or way too low. (laughs) If you're on either side of that spectrum, you're like, ooh. Well, because, like, I guess music was still kind of like a oddity at that point. We didn't know what music was. Because people were like, 300 years ago, dude. Oh, I mean, listen. We were still 20 years before that, they're doing castrato shit. (laughs) They're cutting people's nuts off to make them. Sound like this. That's true. Do you know what you know what the Bee Gees would have had to go through two hundred years ago to sound like this? <laughs> well, they would have to go through a lot. They would have gone through a lot. Yeah, how would they get the Barry White back then? Would they give someone more balls? They give you the balls of a castrato. Yeah. Well, you get so the now you have balls. you have four yeah. balls. <laughs> Actually, that's what the Romans did. They did like the goat testicle or something like that. Like for really? uh, if you had impotence, like you couldn't get your dick up, you would get like goat balls and animal balls put inside you. Oh that was God. like a treatment up until the late 1800s, and then they were like, "That's bullshit. It doesn't work." <laughs> That's actually bullshit. It's full balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like Kellogg. Like, it was some like famous guy from like the 1800s. Well, early I remember. 1900s. Well, I think the Kellogg's thing. The guy made cornflakes yep. to stop people from beating off, right? Something Didn't else. work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no. Much less effective than cutting their dick off. <laughs> <laughs> that was a foolproof method. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of like the original Justin Timberlake, you know? He's up there. Bit, yeah. <laughs> trying to think of the last time I heard this song. I mean, it's been years. Fucking Saturday Night Fever, baby. <laughs> so this what you put on when you get the girl come back from oh, the yeah. bar. You're like, hold on, baby. You like, the thing is, like, you kind of, I, like, I, I don't normally, moves don't just come to me, but, like, when I hear this song, like, I kind of know what direction to go a little bit. Like, I kind of know what's going on. When I ride the wave. There's no, yeah, exactly. I'm riding the wave, yeah. you know? You're just like, well, obviously I'm here. Obviously, I'm there. Duh. How come men's fashion doesn't come back like women's fashion does? Like, mm-hmm. bell bottoms haven't made a comeback for men. Yeah, they came back for women. For women. Though. Everything yeah, from the past has come back. We're still just wearing jeans and hoodies. Because women. T-shirts. Like, we're simple men. Women yeah. move faster through things than men do. Like, a guy, I have the same fashion I had when I was uh, basically born. And so, <laughs> basically, like, my mom bought all my clothes, and she still does. <laughs> basically, yeah. And so, like, my fashion sense now is just like I'm probably gonna wa- still like. What am I changing up my style soon? Am I changing up my style anytime soon? Thirty years old. I mean, I'm you change your in. style from high school. I'm assuming, right? Because I wore like Jingo jeans, and what were those pants from Hot Topic? Uh, those like mm. bondage pants, the ones with, like the, the, like straps, the straps. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think there, I think there's a different type of thing. Like I think like there are fashion-minded dudes and I'm just not one of them. But I feel like most dudes aren't as fashion-minded. And so like for women it's like, yeah, I think it is true every 20 years stuff comes back around for women. That's what they say. But for dudes like it's going to be a long time. Well, actually no, I might be I might be capping right now. I mm. might be first official cap of the cast here. 
Uh, short shorts are kind of coming back. I do like this. A little shorts bit, yeah. Now, when are male crop tops coming back? Because in the <laughs> late 80s, early 90s, that was a thing, you know? Like, look at... um. I was watching this movie Hostel the other day. We're going to officially introduce you, but... <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is how we're gonna segue into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movie hostile. <laughs> we're gonna hostile. lock this door behind you. Space uh. in 2006. It was it was a nice little archaeological uh, discovery of myself. Just just watching a movie made in that time period and just seeing what the common way they talked and the jokes that they were making. It was very eye opening to be like, dude. Oh yeah, this horror is how movies, we talked in high school. Yeah, Ultimate. horror movies are crazy to watch. Like I rewatched all the Final Destination movies like during October. And just the dialogue is insane. It's unreal. It's 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 honestly like you're like holy shit. Like how much stuff, and not just since 2006, but even like since like honestly 2012. Yeah. But I'm watching it, and these girls are wearing these like low cut jeans, and you look at it now, and you're like, wow, this movie looks so dated. Like even with their phones, they had the flip phones, and it's yeah. like you're watching, you see like the text scene, and the guys like using T9 texting, and you're like. Yeah, Jesus. they're like texting on Microsoft Excel. It's in, <laughs> dude. It's like you don't realize what was that Rihanna video where she's like texting. It was, was it Rihanna? She's yeah. like texting that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't realize uh, how ridiculous you look uh, until you look back on it. Like you know, um, when you go to like when you, you have like a suit that you wear like to a wedding or something like that. I look at my father's wedding pictures in the eighties, and like they have like the ruffles and the things, and it's like at that time. They thought that that's this is just a suit, bro. This is what a suit looks like. It's not until you look back and you go, "What the fuck are those? What are you doing?" But it's like now I wonder every single thing I do, I'm sitting there going, "What thing am I doing right now that in 20 years I'm going to look back and be like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Well, see, you guys like did you grow up in MySpace at all or no? Yeah, were you like after? Yeah, yeah. Okay. that was like middle school, high school for us, I think. All right, see, that was like high school after high school for me, and mm-hmm. then. I'm so glad it's gone because there's yeah. so many photos that were out there. I was like, oh, these will never see the light of day. Yeah. That database is gone. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. People don't need to know what my favorite song is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if they search my MySpace, they could find out what my favorite song in 2007 was because it's probably still up. Is it not still up? No, it's, no, gone. it's gone. Oh, it's gone? Oh, everything's gone. Oh, I thank it. God. Thank yeah. God because I'm pretty sure mine was Collide by Howie Day. <laughs> <laughs> you and I. Mine was definitely collide. a Rammstein song. That's see, that's badass, dude. I want people to go back into my middle school MySpace page and see like some hardcore metal thing and be like, dude, yeah, I was just fucking crazy in middle school. I want them to find fucking "You're Beautiful" by James Blunt. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. With yeah. just you like, from middle school as the picture. <laughs> That'd be sick. Exactly, dude. It would make sense. It would make sense, dude. I was corny, corny. <laughs> oh my goodness folks sorry for the delay live in the studio i'm jimmy seleski i'm eric glazer and uh tonight we have uh another sought after guest coming at you with two sought after guest uh podcasts in a row honestly mm-hmm. now we back. wanted to make this happen during uh october because i kind of consider this on the more spooky side of things and i don't know why mm. so i don't consider your job spooky not spooky. But I felt like we could twist it that way. You know, <laughs> I felt like we could angle it that way, see how it goes. But uh, we've been working on this for a while. Um, I first came across you when uh, one of the listeners of the podcast 
messaged me and said, dude, you got to follow this guy. He's right local. Now, I wasn't sure if she knew you or if you guys are personal friends. Do you know Kate Laurie by chance? Uh, yeah, the name it is time for her. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so she's a listener to the podcast, and she DM'd me about a year ago. Okay. Like, you got to get this guy on. And I was like, all right, well, let me follow him for three years, and I'll think about it. And so I did that. And then eventually I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to DM him. I've just been liking all his posts. As <laughs> if yeah. one day you were just going to see that I like so many of your posts. You're like, dude, on the off chance that you have a podcast. <laughs> and I come on it. I was just waiting for you to slide in my DMs, man. That's all it was. <laughs> no, but we finally made it work. We are here with the founder of the Salvage Arc YouTube channel, Mr. Evan Woodard. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. This is uh, awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And you and you describe yourself as uh, three words that I saw. Well, actually, four words that I saw on your website. First was a uh, photographer, which you came in, you noticed our cameras. I was like, all right, check, <laughs> check. He's living up to it. Um, the second was urban excavator. Yeah, excavationist. Yep. And historian. Correct. Right. Now, I always considered archaeology to be a historian who digs. Is that wrong? Uh, I mean, they're more especially trained in a specific area of history. They mm. recover artifacts. Uh, they went to college, you know, things like that. I just don't do the college part. So hey, and that's either. why I never say that. <laughs> and I'm that's not. why you're here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that is why you're here. But you got to know, obviously, you know, to be to be an archaeologist, obviously, you don't need college, but you got to at least know some history because or else you're just digging up a bunch of shit and you're like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely Who like cares? aspects of that. Like it's for, for especially for like archaeologists, like they went to school, they do a lot of papers and research for grant money and things like that for on a federal level or a government level. Uh, for me, it's just like I'm a dude that likes digging holes in people's backyards mm -hmm. and finding cool shit and documenting it and sharing it with everyone. And how long have you been doing that uh, officially? Because obviously, okay, so this this has to be probably what I'm assuming to be a lifelong passion of sorts, right? Or did you just one day just start, you, you like saw a shovel and you were like, dude, this is me. So, I mean, I've always loved history, uh, especially like as a kid. Uh, you know, I always be like Indiana Jones and things. Mm -hmm. uh, did a lot of urban exploring growing up, but I never really picked up a shovel or anything until the pandemic because I had a lot of free time just like everyone else. Uh, and I didn't want to start baking bread or anything like that. So I started digging holes and one thing led to another. And then now I've got this massive Instagram account. Uh, you you started this during the pandemic? Yeah. In 2020? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm now Holy almost shit. three years in now, which is crazy oh, yeah. to think the pandemic's been that long now. <laughs> that's crazy because I think that's like when I first, like I was telling you before the podcast, like you slipped into my algorithm somehow on YouTube and I like binged all of your earlier stuff. And I just thought it was cool because like, I don't know. I I know some history of Baltimore, but like it's it's cool to go down those rabbit holes to just like the story of just like digging, finding something, being able to see like, all right, this was actually made in wherever, like 18 whatever. And oh, this is the kind of glass that was made at this factory. So that's where we knew it came from. Yeah, that's that's like what I wanted to do. I wanted mm -hmm. to show people that there's all this history from Baltimore that people just don't know about. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's hell, I'm finding out things as I'm going and doing all this research and learning something brand new. And I thought I knew a lot about Baltimore. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
well, there's this, that, and everything else to learn. Now, you say you skipped the college part. Did you go to college at all, or did you just not study this particular field? I went for a semester, uh, and then I had to take an elective of pottery, and I was like, I'm, no, I'm not fucking doing this. Dude, yeah, that hey. is exactly what we did. Yeah, same. Not exactly <laughs> pottery. And I love pottery. I mean, I love it too, but I wasn't going to pay thousands of dollars. I majored in pottery. Like, and when I yeah. took a class that wasn't pottery, I was like, this is bullshit, dude. I'm out of here. Yeah, it just wasn't for me. So I, uh, you know, I always knew computers um, mm -hmm. from an early age and I just stuck with it. And, you know, here I am now still working cybersecurity um, almost 20 years later. So that, oh, yeah. so your your main job is, is cybersecurity, stuff like that. A, yep. a job that you were able to get without college. Yeah. Working my way up, uh, you know, proving to people and showing them my skills, um, you know, knowing my way around a computer. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a message that we've been trying to preach to people is that it's not uh you know, they when we grew up, there was this kind of stigma around the idea of not going to college. And I'm sure it was just as prevalent. I mean, you're only five years separated from us, you know. It was such a thing that they really made you feel like, you know, if you want to succeed in life, you have to get that degree. And it's like, you don't really get it. They don't really show you the examples of people who are just like, really, the real world works like you work at a company. If you suck, nobody's like, but he has a degree. So like, let's promote him. It's like, I mean, I get that there's, there's certain things that you need it for, but like in a field like computer in, in cybersecurity, it's like, I have friends that went to school for computer science. And a lot of guys who went to school for computer science are probably working like in the same office as you or under you, you know? So it's like, it's a, it's an important thing to get out there, dude. If you want if you want to do a podcast in a garage and do a bathroom, it's possible you can do it. <laughs> no, you just got to you stay motivated. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it, it's not just from the college part, but I mean, when I dropped out, my mom was like, "Oh, you're not going to be able to do anything. Like, you really need school to be successful." Now she's hanging up magazine articles and framing newspaper pieces about me all over the house, and it's like, okay, you know, clearly you can do it. Yeah, it's absolutely. just you have to be motivated and stick with it and keep going. So with the salvage arc thing, uh, the first thing I want to know is um, I was taking cracks at what the significance of that name is. I'm imagining some reference of Noah's Ark, perhaps. You're salvaging. <laughs> I think it's short for archaeology, right? You would be correct. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that's what I thought Noah's Ark was short for. <laughs> Noah's archaeology. Yeah, when I, when I made the account. You two of every animal bone. <laughs> <laughs> when I made the account back uh, during the pandemic, I was just, I had another Instagram account, um, but it's like, all right, I need to figure out like a cool, catchy name about like history and digging mm -hmm. and i was like i started doing research and i was like there's this thing called salvage archaeology where people have to go into places and uh rescue artifacts real quickly without doing like the proper technical archaeology that most people see like we're dusting things off they're like going mm -hmm. in getting it getting out the dr like, alan grant archaeology yeah you know and there's no like little brushes here we're just yeah. like going with uh, shovels and we only have usually a couple hours to do a dig so you have a team kind of with you and everything like that. Yep. Now, when you go, what was your first, uh, you know, when you obviously, I'm assuming your first dig was obviously not your first Instagram post, but at what point were you like, all right, this dig is the one I'm filming it. And I'm guess what I'm mainly curious is because it, it's, it's, it seems like it kind of goes half and half because like a lot of people don't find that kind of like relatively immediate like success. I mean, you got like 30,000 followers on Instagram and like the right way too. it looks like, you know, like, and like, so I'm wondering like how many videos did you post before you started noticing like, damn, like this shit's kind of popping off. Like people are really interested in this. Only uh, honestly, I think it was like three or four uh, because wow. I realized that there were other people out there already doing what I do. Like all over the United States, there are people that do digging and things like that. But 
there was no one really documenting the history and showing the or telling the story behind the item itself. Mm. And so that's when I said, you know what, let me go and tell the personal story behind these things. Because as I kept digging with them, no pun intended, I just kept finding all these really cool stories and people were like, oh, that's dope. Like I had no idea that this happened here. And where was, where, what did you explore for that first kind of a uh, series? Um, the first one was, that's a good question. Where was I? Uh, I don't remember that one, but I know the first privy dig we did was in Upper Fells Point. Now I went to uh, the Renaissance Fair recently <laughs> and they call bathrooms privies. That's Is that it. what you dug into? Yeah, except for not that not as fresh as the one that you went into. Okay, uh, yeah, mine's yeah, about yeah. a couple hundred years old. I didn't find anything too interesting at the Renaissance <laughs> Privy, dude. Good, nothing <laughs> worth documenting. <laughs> your uh, your turds, you would have found been very yeah. fresh. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're uh, yeah. So we dig out the old outhouses, which were essentially the trash pits uh, back in the day, because you didn't have public tra- or public trash pickup, so you had to throw everything somewhere. And there was this giant hole in your backyard that was perfect for it. And so they just toss all that stuff in there. So it's good for us. So everyone kind of had their own private landfill a little bit. Yeah. And it was still emptied out. Like some people would pay to have it cleaned out. You were supposed to in the city of Baltimore. Some people did. A lot of people didn't. Mm. And they just covered it up. And when they didn't clean it out, that's when we get to come in and find all these artifacts in a very confined space. So they were actually the, the people who didn't pay to get there. They were the ones that were contributing to society, really. They were thinking now, ahead in the future. Yeah. Right? That's the, kinda... the alcoholics and hoarders. Yeah. Well, exactly. Of, of ye old Baltimore. <laughs> I've always found that an interesting component of archaeology because there's a certain point in everything's lifespan that if you have it long enough, it becomes cool. And so my kind of thinking has always been like, not that I'm a hoarder, I don't hoard things, but there's certain things like knickknacks that I just save because I'm like, dude, you know, like when you're like a grandfather and you're like, look at this bottle of beer over there Mm -hmm. and people are just like, this is automatically cool. This is a hundred year old bottle of beer. Well, I I think it's different for us now because we're the age of mass production where there's like thousands and millions of a single item made. But back then, like glass and stoneware and pottery was not, it was produced, but not on a grand scale like it is today. So when you find it 200 years later, it's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Um, So it has like an inherent like educational value, also like a monetary value too, depending, you know. So what I think it you, was kind of cool. Sorry, Jimmy. No, um, I think what like intrigued me the most too. I think it maybe just because it was like a personal tie-in, and I'm sure a lot of people from this area like their houses growing up. Like my parents always had those the blue glass bottles like in the windows to catch light and the Burmos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From the Burmos Seltzer Tower, uh, Seltzer Tower, right? So yeah, like old, basically just seltzer like water bottles no so that's uh old headache medicine oh so that's what that was like the uh bromide and was the main ingredient in it Mm -hmm. uh and then come to find out that's very toxic so they had to take it off the market Mm. and that's what caused their downfall but yeah those things were sold like hotcakes all over the world and i see people dig them up in australia i mean they're everywhere Oh my god! But it's cool because it's from Baltimore. It still mm-hmm. says Baltimore on it, all the way over there. <laughs> we and then, poisoned isn't there the something world. about that tower? Isn't it like based off of? Yeah, it's like yeah, a, a tower replica in, of yep, yeah, in, uh, yeah. Italy. Yeah, it's he went on a trip. I believe it was like early 1900s, um, and we have a tornado coming. What's going yeah. on? Here? We we <laughs> live directly across the street from the Lutherville Fire Station, and so people decide in Lutherville that the best time to start fires at their homes is. When we're recording the podcast, it seems <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard that. I was like, what's going on here in the county? Uh, yeah. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Air raid siren. <laughs> yeah. Is there, the Russians coming? Like, no. <laughs> but go on, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that tower is based off a, another tower in Italy um, that he saw when he was over there uh, during the early 1900s. And he was like, 
I want to build that here in America. And he did. But then not only did he build that, there was this giant blue cobalt uh, bottle that looks like the ones that you've seen um, mm -hmm. on top of it. And there was a point when the structural engineers were like, dude, this thing's going to like cause this whole building to collapse. So they had to take it down. No one knows what happened to it. It's probably scrapped for the wars, but mm -hmm. still like a pretty cool thing. It is amazing how much we just kind of have always winged it throughout history. Like it is amazing. Like the stuff we did that like, that like you look back like bromide. Some guy was like, dude, this is good, bro. Dude, paint your house with lead. <laughs> Obviously asbestos is the best insulation. You can be warm as fuck. You might get mesothelioma eventually. Yeah, don't touch it; it stings. But. <laughs> what do you think is going to like? We're going to look back today and be like, oh, definitely Wi-Fi. <laughs> definitely Wi-Fi. That's what's going to kill us. Everyone like, just put cancer. antennas in their house for no reason, and we're just like, yeah, we're cool with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is just or just cell phones, right? Yeah, like, well, I remember phones the cell phones. Like you couldn't, like yeah, you couldn't have in your pocket. Or like if you're a guy, like keep between your legs, stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. like that's where my phone always stays. Yeah, it? or the laptop, like yeah. it goes on your lap. I'm sorry, sorry, my future children, <laughs> you're gonna be a little heated, <laughs> be a little strange. <laughs> you fried out. No, it kind of goes back to the uh, the conversation that was seemingly relevant before we uh, officially started up, but talking about just fashion and style, and like you look at like the things people were wearing, and then there does come a point where certain things really are classic. Like, you know, like, you know, an example of something that was not timeless. Sorry, George Washington. But like the fucking like weird, the wigs and stuff, that was ridiculous. You yeah. know, and looking back, it's like, but back then it was like, dude, where's your wig at, bro? What are you not rich? You're not rich. You're coming in here with your regular ass hair. You know, so it's like you look back and it's kind of the same concept. It's like the stuff that we did, like the advances we made, building a building a tower and then after it's completely built, being like, oh, shit, <laughs> this is definitely going to fall. Yeah, this is a little top heavy. <laughs> you know, it's like you almost so much of so much of history is just like us doing shit. It's trial and error, dude. It's trial and error. 100%. And that's really like when you look back, it is important, A, um, if you really want to have an understanding, and I know this is the most cliche thing in the world, but it is so true. Like, you got to, understanding your history, it, it really does put you in context for your past. It would be like the equivalent of like, you know, like clearly, you know, just understanding your own personal history makes more sense of what the fuck is going on right now. Yeah. You know? And that's something I've learned myself. Like, even doing all the research for this stuff. It's that I uncover stories that I had no idea about, like, especially with, like, black people in Baltimore, voting mm -hmm. rights, things like that. I was like, holy shit, we threw the largest parade for the 15th Amendment? Who the fuck knew? Fuck you know, yeah. all these people, like, came to the city, like, Frederick Douglass was here giving speeches downtown where the uh, now courthouse is. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is so cool. And yeah. people just absolutely forgot about it. But there's all these things that kind of connect you to the past and making it more of a personal story, not just, like... Hey, here's what's in your history book. No one gives a shit. Well, yeah, be, but the thing is, the thing that I've always had a problem with the way history is taught in schools, and and not really just history particularly, but just everything in general. I remember, like, uh, I think it was in, I guess, maybe middle school is when I first had this realization. Because when you learn in, I went to public school, and so did Eric, and... Um, what, by the way, what part of Baltimore are you from? I'm from D.C. or originally, PG DC. County. Okay, cool. Okay. Or you Prince George's now. If they, you know, so you went to public school in PG? Yep. Okay. So, like, the way I'm assuming most people learn in that educational system is you have different subjects. So you have, you know, first period math, second period reading, uh, you know, third period science, and then other shit. And it's like, 
you learn all these different aspects of the world we're living in in this very like compartmentalized uh, format where like you learn about Isaac Newton and gravity and physics and Einstein and all that shit in one class. And then you go to another class and they're like, oh, and then, you know, George Washington and Frederick Douglass and Abe Lincoln and all this stuff. And then you go to another class and they're like, you know, well, fucking Mozart, Beethoven, blah, blah, blah. But you learn about all these things in this very kind of like, yeah, well, I could tell you when Mozart did this and I could tell you when George Washington said that. But it didn't hit me until like later on when I realized I was like, oh, shit. Nobody ever told me that like at the same time when fucking Newton was discovering gravity that American America was like fighting for a revolution. This might be slightly off, but like the concept there of like America's doing this thing over here and also Beethoven had a number one hit out at the time. Yeah. And it's like when you kind of like tie everything together, then you actually have a more true understanding of what's going on. And it's like it's kind of like people the way we're educated and i'm not going to say it's purposeful or unpurposeful but i certainly am not about to sit here and say it's not purposeful the way we're educated is in a way where we know this immense amount of facts but when it comes to actually having some type of context to apply any type of like logical thinking based off of it you're not really taught that yeah you know like i remember watching kids that would study i was never like a flashcard guy you know, like there'll be the worst. People, yeah, I, I, <laughs> that I, and those times table thing, like where you yeah. got a sheet and you had to do like 10 minutes. I don't get studying still. It's like, I'll mm. read it once. I can't like, I'm, if I read it again, I'm not going to remember it more. Yeah. I'm just going to fake like I'm reading it. Yeah. I don't understand. I've never, to this day, I don't know how to take notes. When I take notes, I miss the next thing you said. Well, these days then you just pull your phone and just hit record and ah, shit. yeah. Well, and I feel like that's something I would do nowadays thinking that I'll, oh, I'll listen to that back i'm not gonna I'm listen not going to, to it back yeah <laughs> i'm gonna not pay attention because i'm recording it and then i'm not gonna listen to the recording yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but to get to that context thing that you're talking about mm -hmm. like with teaching it's if i told you okay well the british were marching up uh you know to dc to you know uh you know attack it but i'd be like all right that's cool this is the date whatever but if i told you this was this family was going through and that their kids had to think about xyz or that they were in the middle of going to school and they saw the british coming that's something that you can relate to because you stood out at the bus stop at the bus stop mm -hmm. you've like seen people like invade places america done it but yeah. like we understand that and know what it's like so that way you have something to look at like oh okay that's what they're going through yeah. and then you'll remember it versus just here's this fact here's this date whatever yeah well you have to you have to basically the best way to understand history is understanding what what they thought about it you know what i mean like i my one of my favorite like kind of tidbits that whenever somebody i live right in towson at uh joppa road at the circle there and i live across the street from a um a liquor store called skyline liquors and I, I grew up in towson my entire life and i never really you know, well, first of all, I didn't go into a liquor store until I was 21, so I never really had a reason to think about why I was called Skyline. But why are you winking up, at me right now? Huh? I said, why are you winking at me right now? <laughs> <laughs> now we all know Skyline Liquors. <laughs> this next <laughs> incoherent segment brought to you by Skyline Liquors. <laughs> Don't sell underage. <laughs> Please. Um, so I, I wound up renting an apartment right across the street. It's on the 11th floor south facing. And... I'm looking out my balcony, and from my balcony in Towson, I can see the entire Baltimore Harbor, all of it. And also, from my balcony in a straight shot line, 
I see, I went to Towson High School, and on the property of Towson High School, there's this really old house that it's like half abandoned and like half not abandoned. And on the top of it, there's this big uh, like tower thing. I think it was called a widow's... Widow's Peak. Widow's Peak, yes. And you could stand on that and see the harbor, and you could see when ships were coming in to the Baltimore Harbor from there. And so now I'm on my balcony looking over top of Skyline Liquors, over top of the Widow's Peak on Towson High School, and looking directly at the bottom of Baltimore at Key Bridge. And it's at that point, it puts in context like where you are. Because when you're driving on the ground, you take this fucking exit, and you go 695, and you go down 83, you get stuck at the light, a squeegee boy comes and gets you, whatever, something. And then by the time you get to fucking Fells Point, you're like, this is a totally different, uh, where the hell, this is a whole different thing. Again, compartmentalized. I always said that like even the beltway is a good example of that because highways are kind of like the hyperbolic time chambers. You get in there on one road, you get on 695, then you drive a bunch and you get off on an exit, you're in a whole new town. But it's not until you actually just say, dude, I'm going to try to get to fucking Catonsville just taking like random regular roads. And then you understand that like, oh shit, like Parkville is connected to Overly, and Overly is connected to Catonsville. And honestly, I could drive to freaking Tijuana right now on back roads if I wanted to, maybe. And we're all connected. It's like everything, it, like the way that the world is structured, kind of the ease of just kind of being like, all right, remember this. Here's your flashcards. Beethoven did this. Mozart did that. George Washington said this. Fred Lutzog. And then it's like at no point do you ever actually synthesize in your mind, holy shit, this is all one thing. It's like you talk to people and it's like they truly don't have an understanding of like, I, I, like when you drive a car, you're driving down the car. Now, myself included, I don't know how that fucking thing works. But like I, I get like basic things. And I also know that as a man, if something happens, I have to at least do the person in the car the due diligence of pretending I know what might be wrong. I got at least the old Seinfeld bit, get out and open Over the hood, the hood. <laughs> and hope there's a big on-off switch. We're like, oh, well, that seems to be the problem. Flip it on. Like, you got to at least pretend. But so much of this shit like, that, that's happening, I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works. Yeah. But your whole profession is that. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I only now, after having, like, looked into it and finding interest in it can i give you like a rudimentary explanation but what's incredible to think about is that for me it's already been invented and now i'm retroactively attempting to understand it but there was a guy who thought of this shit out of nothing out of nothing the guy who invented the radio or whatever it's like this guy's sitting there like yeah dude like i'm gonna say something here and then like a guy over there is going to hear it. And people are like, what are you talking about, dude? It's and like, now, oh, yeah, don't worry. It's going to go over the frequency. And yeah. Like, and what, like, what's that? What are you smoking? <laughs> it's a frequency. <laughs> <laughs> it just is wild, dude. And history is such, such an important uh, aspect of education that you cannot teach. Um, you can't teach things in a way that is devoid of context. You just can't. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem. It's like, I always say the difference between education and and true understanding is if you if you said to somebody two plus two equals four and they go got it got it and then you go all right three plus three equals six and they go all right i hear you i hear you and then you go what's four plus four and they go well you haven't told me yet and i go and you're thinking like well see there's a certain you got to recognize the pattern here 
at this point, I've told you these two things. You should have at this point been able to formulate a pattern. What does plus mean? It means you take this thing and that thing. So it's like we have a bunch of people, like even when you talk to people who like memorize how to learn a language, the wrong way to learn a language is how do I say this? How do I say this? How do I say this? And then you just try to, you know, before it happens, try to just think of every phrase you might ever wind up saying. That's not how you learn a language. Hmm. You don't just learn every, like, here's every possible thing I could ever need to say, and I'll learn it. You learn the pattern. Okay, well, how do I say, I drove my car last night? And then you work at the pattern, and you go, well, now, from just knowing that, I can go, I will drive my car tomorrow. I uh, I might drive my car next week. And it's like, that's it, dude. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all. I have to say, Ran brought to you by gas. Skyline Liquors. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, there's a lot of context that isn't taught, and, and I don't want to be that person, but I'm like, there's a lot of times where I see a lot of history is taught with an agenda without just leaving like certain parts out, just they want to make someone feel good or feel bad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of America's history has, you know, historically been told by like one side. Yeah. And now you have the opportunity to change that and you can have other people's views and thoughts come into the picture mm-hmm. and analyze the same information and give you something new from it. And that's kind of like where I'm coming in. I'm like, oh, I'll retell this whole story. But from an outside perspective. That- well, that is, there. there's, you know, getting into kind of, you know, we're taste, tastefully into the podcast at this point. We can kind of delve into this subject. But, um, you know, you've kind of gone public recently with some pushback that you've received uh, from, I guess, the kind of institution uh, that exists in Baltimore and Maryland as a whole. And a lot of it I'm looking at and I'm thinking, like, there is a certain contempt that I can picture someone feeling. To think that they did, and uh, okay, this is this is just before we get into specifics. Going back to the whole college uh, check, going back to the whole college thing. Um, when you, when when I was younger, and I'm assuming when all of us were younger, and, and telling people like, "Hey, I'm going to go do this thing, and I'm not going to go to school." Part of it is people being arrogant and thinking like when they when they scold you for that, or or, or make you feel or give you a stigma about it. Part of it is them thinking like, oh, well, you're just wrong. But the other part of it is there's a certain amount of contempt that people might have for for they are going through all the hoops and, and going through the gauntlet because that's the only way they know how. And it is annoying to fucking have to write a term paper about something you don't give a shit about and just jump through all the hoops of college and do all this stupid shit. And at the end of the tunnel, you get the cheese. And people actually will whether they consciously recognize it or not actually feel a certain amount of like who the fuck do you think you are to just skip all the shit that i had to do to go and like you know rise above or compete with me and it's like i can understand that on a certain level but i don't think that they consciously understand that that really is what it comes down to it's like these people that are in these institutions in like for instance you're in your case with archaeology and stuff there is that true gatekeeping mentality just like you know i play music for a living and like there are people that book these clubs that are looking at you coming in as a young kid at the time and just like looking at you like who the fuck do you think you are like dude i've been i i I had to grind my ass off to fucking get this 
Thursday happy hour and you think you're just going to come down here and just play and God forbid, maybe even be better than me and fuck that, you know? So it's like you have to, in order to truly approach any conflict like that, you first have to understand both sides because that's how you win. You win by understanding. <laughs> and that's the most important thing. Winning is the most important thing you in life. Winning. No, but winning. like, I, I totally, so yeah, I know the whole backstory with that is that there are people uh, at the federal, not federal, but state level that are upset with all the work that I've been doing here in Baltimore legally. Mm. Um, and they want to find any way they can to shut me down. And I'm so like, so is it like, I'm sorry, I, I actually didn't even know this was a thing, but is it like, is it like volunteers at a historical society doing this? Or no, is this like actually uh, the state, state employees? Oh my yeah, God. state employees. Jesus Christ. Um, along with another uh, group of archaeologists here in the state of Maryland are upset that like I'm out here able to do all this. And basically they're mad that I'm getting like notoriety and all this. Yeah. Without, and they went out of their way to try to like basically say anything they could to like you know say that i'm doing bad and i'm stealing looting all this shit no looting is what the british museum has done what i do is go in people's backyards with their permission or develop properties with their permission i remember when i watched your videos like a year ago it was like someone literally called you to their house to be like hey like i found something could you dig a little bit deeper and you're like yeah sure i'll come out and i'm not even gonna charge you i'm just gonna do this because it's fun yeah and and they're (laughs) and they yeah, they're threatened by it um, because they're like, wait, this guy can come out here, doesn't have the funding, has no funding at all, just doing it by himself for fun, finding everything, documenting it, mm-hmm. uploading it, getting people interested in and history. And it's popular. And, yeah, exactly. It's popular. I mean, I'm sorry that your How research no paper that you've been writing. My, yeah, dry yeah. ass 20 page thing about fucking thumbtacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's, I found a way to make it relatable to people and people are interested in history now. And, you know, they want to say, like I said, they want to say that I'm not documenting everything i'm not doing it properly but yeah, yeah actually here i am and before they even bothered asking me anything that's when they went on the whole smear campaign it's like your whole job is to do fucking research and you didn't do it mm-hmm. and then it's going to come back and bite you in the ass now so that's your Jeez. problem my father used to say to me he said if somebody is afraid of showing you how they do something it's because they're afraid you'll do it better or not if somebody's afraid if somebody won't show you how they do something and that really to me truly exemplifies the gatekeeping mentality it's that so many people have security in their positions and their jobs not because of their competence but because of the like i said before the hoops they've gone through to do it the the connections that they've made and when you're a person who deep down knows that like am i really the best archaeologist in maryland probably not but there's so many like obstacles in the way so that like in order for somebody to outcompete me at my own thing it wouldn't matter just that they were better than me. They'd have to do all this extra shit. And at that point, it's like, you know, there's a certain sense of security people have. And just, it's like with a magician, you know, like it's like once you know the trick, it's not magic anymore, you know? And so in your instance, it's like these people have built entire careers off of basically having unbridled exclusive access to all of the history of this of this city and this state and being allowed to put it out in the way they want to put it out and yeah you are um an existential threat to their existence not just on not just on um a career well i guess the 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 smaller point that i'm making is which is actually the broader point you know because i'm very close-minded but like you know when you when you take have your own take on your things then you challenge the the uh the structured narrative mm-hmm. obviously they no longer have exclusive control over the narrative but more importantly and this is more important i believe to most people 
their own personal careers. You know, I think most people, you can care a lot about the world, but I think for most people, they care about themselves a little bit more. Yeah. And so I think it's less of a fight for the narrative and more of a fight of just a bunch of, you know, pardon my English, but losers that like try to, that like don't want to see them get beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't want to get beat at their own game and kind of here I am doing it. I'm not yeah. saying like I'm like the best or anything like that. Sure. I got a lot to learn, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, I'm out here getting access to these sites that are going to be destroyed. Mm. You know, these are construction sites. These are the, Baltimore's being developed real quick. I don't know if you've been downtown <laughs> lately, but there are places being knocked down and scooped out left and right. Yeah. And after I made that video that posted my Instagram, like, they reached out to me and they said, look, you know, we, we still don't, we don't approve of what you're doing because, you know, these sites are, what about future archaeologists? I'm like, future, these, this this shit's gonna be gone. Yeah. And they'd basically rather see a lot of these sites just be lost than let someone else go dig it. And what does that even mean? That's even, even, that's a condescending way to put it. Haters seeing a guy who, because also I'm sure they feel a certain type of way that, something like and not to diminish it but i'm sure you started this as a hobby yeah and you're doing it better than these career long archaeologists yeah. and i'm not making money off it hell i'm losing money on this like this is <laughs> a passion of this is all love like i yeah. is the only reason i do it like there's no money in this and this is Haters. look right now and 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 it's interesting to talk to you about this because this is a field that you that immediately when you think about the power of the internet and the power of connectivity that we have in this time, um, you know, coming from a musician's perspective, as a musician, it is probably the best time that's ever existed to have access to the ability to independently record your music and put it out. Um, whereas 20 years ago, um, you know, the amount of resources and connections and and things that you would have to have at your disposal to distribute your music on a on a global scale was so immense that the average person couldn't do it and so these record labels had in the same vein as in your field they had complete exclusive control over who got famous and when they got famous here's the kind of music that's going to be big because if you don't have that type of style then we're not going to push your shit and it's like you know to break through that back in those days was incredibly difficult and and most people didn't do it but now we have this situation where it's like dude like and in eric's feel with comedy and it's, it's the same thing it's like a guy a guy with um like a popular TikTok channel is more culturally relevant than whoever is the lead in some sitcom right now or something like that. And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, podcasts and, and you know, Joe Rogan comes to mind, just like so much of what you see this, this backlash come to people comes from this thing that it pisses people off. It pisses other like talk show hosts off. If you're the guy who hosts the late show or you're the guy who does this thing, it pisses them off that they had to do all this shit and make so many compromises and make so many just, all right, fine, I don't really believe the shit I'm saying, but I'll say it just to fucking, if, if this is what's going to keep my job. And they had to do all that and then still get absolutely trounced by a guy who's smoking weed in a fucking studio and just talking to whoever he wants and eight. 80, 80 times more people are listening to him on a weekly basis. And then you and then you try to deconstruct, oh, I wonder what all the backlash comes from. It's from a bunch of people that 
aren't as competent at that who had to do all this extra shit being told oh well if i do this then i i won't have my job because i'm the best i'll have my job because i was willing to do the most and then it goes no motherfucker we got the internet now dude if i put out something more interesting than your fucking shit on channel 45 guess what you lose yeah you know and you and there's there's definitely a time where people need to learn how to adapt i mean Mm -hmm. there's the writing on the wall social media's been around for a while now i mean facebook's coming up in 20 years which is insane but it's i saw that there was no no one out there really doing what I was doing out there on, on Instagram. I was like, all right, cool. I'll start doing it, see what happens. And it grew. And if MHT or any other organizations came to me before the smear campaign and said, hey, we see what you're doing. We want to work with you. You know, I would have been fine. Yeah. But then when that was brought up in one of their meetings, because I had someone on the inside tell me the whole story about it. Mm-hmm. They're like, why the fuck would we do that? Why would we want this guy working with? Why would we want to work with him? Like, no, that's we're we're a bunch of old people that no, we don't want to change yeah. anything. And it's like either adapt or get left in, in the dust. Yeah. Like, that's it. You know, it's if you don't want to join the 21st century where everyone else is, where Generation uh, X or Y and Z and I don't yeah. know what you guys are, millennials, mm-hmm. whatever. Someone's going to dig you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. You're yeah, about yeah. to be fucking a treasure. <laughs> well, that's what I kind of get at when I say like the whole education system and the, and the purpose behind it, meaning like, is there a kind of like, you know, I look back on the way that we were educated and much in the same vein as like we talk about the different kind of like compartmentalism of our education. Also, just like when I look back at, at the way school was structured, it was never and, and, and this is not a knock on teachers in any way because I've had plenty. First of all, I, I take a very neutral stance on teachers because I'm also not the same person who's like, oh, my God, teachers are all amazing. Like I've had some sh- shitty fucking teachers who were definitely just clocking in and clocking out. All right. That exists. And you can't have a fucking mature debate about the education system without admitting that there's every field of people has good ones and bad ones, you know, and that goes all the way up doctors, Mm -hmm. you know, for every best doctor, doctor there is in the world, there's a worst doctor. Yeah. People hate the dentist because of dentists like that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I love my dentist. She's amazing. Like, (laughs) yeah, you got to find a good dentist. I can tell, dude. I had, I had a shitty dentist for like the first, you know, 18 years of my life and then i found a good dentist and they're like oh i gotta actually redo everything in your mouth they probably just like charge your parents yeah they're just like oh yeah we want to go on vacation this year let's give them another fucking crown or whatever yeah (laughs) you know they're very like education and higher education um i think there are very few fields where it's mandatory medical Mm -hmm. profession absolutely legal profession yep but then there's like other fields. I'm like, why? Like, do you really? It's unnecessary. I mean, like, I, I, and it's kind of like the same way you said, where you went to school for something, you took an elective class. And like, I, I had the same realization going to Towson University. I went for a full year, but it got to the point when I was like, I'm taking all these classes that like they required to be taken before I could really kind of like specify and hone in on what I was actually trying to study there. And like most, pretty much all of them were lower level in terms of advancement than the classes I took my senior year of high school. I I used to call it 13th grade. It was like the only difference between right now and high school is I'm paying them. Yeah. You know, I'm paying you to teach me shit I learned junior year, you know, and also it's like there's another saying. I don't know who said it, but I think that's the best quotes. The best quotes are made by unknown. He's got a lot of great quotes. And one of them says, never let he your, or she. Yeah, <laughs> he or she uh, never let your education interfere with your learning. And that was I got to the point where I was like when I was about 18, 19 years old, I was truly had this like thirst for knowledge you know but then i was like damn i want to read this socrates book 
in my free time, but I can't because I got to type this stupid term paper about something I learned at school lunch when I was in first grade and how that affected my growth. And like, I don't, I get that. I don't need to write with my fucking introduction, three paragraphs and a concluding paragraph and tell you like, I learned that if you bring a Twinkie to school and somebody else, it's like, fuck all that, dude. You know, they make it almost purposefully boring. And I'm not going to say purposefully again. I'm just going to say it's fucking boring. I didn't actually realize that I liked learning until after I was done with school. Hmm. And I was like, wait, this should have been it the whole time. I like I love learning stuff. If I hear something, I'm like, I'm gonna watch at least two hours of content on yeah. YouTube about this and try to take it in. But it's like the what you're really being taught in school is structure. That's it. Yeah, bell just, rings. I think literally the most important, not the most important thing, but the thing they try to teach you in school is to literally just like shut up and do your work. They because in the real world, that's what a lot of people just do. All you gotta do. I mean, they are yeah. creating good employees. You know, we gotta like change up the education system here in America. I mean, like we should. It should be more vocational based. Yeah. Like, or do you want to like, be something? Fucking take a class in that. Yeah. And that's it. You know. Take I wish someone told me that school, at least like grade school, K through twelve or whatever was so hey like go through all of this i know you're not gonna like all of it i know you're gonna hate some of it but figure out what you like and yeah. then do that yeah. for your life instead of like no you actually gotta now you gotta do the sat mm-hmm. and you gotta actually do you gotta make sure you do trigonometry before you go to college because mm-hmm. then you're gonna not have to take the intro math class and then you're gonna you know but you're gonna still gonna have to take intro english because I guess everyone needs to relearn how to fucking read. <laughs> like, oh, it's gone. No, no, I was just like, why is like not like a class on like taxes or something like that? Yeah, things oh, that we absolutely. actually need in real life. Yeah, yeah things. Tell that we me how to, to retire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there should be a class on that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah set up a four hundred one k before you graduate high school. When we were in high school, uh, again, Towson High School, Baltimore County Public Schools. Um, Towson is the type of area. Now, this is not my upbringing. My uh, my father's self-employed contractor. Uh, my mother is a mortgage underwriter, but neither one of them went to college either. Um, but Towson, as a whole, is a is a more one of the more affluent suburbs of Baltimore, and so Towson High School kind of reflected that. And I remember uh, my junior and senior year. I remember this announcement where they actually said like. They used to, up to that point, they used to have a two-track program where there was a vocational track and then a college track. And then the administration at our school specifically decided that they were going to do away with all with the vocational track as a whole. Like, you would get tech ed, but that was it. They used to have, like, programs where you could learn how to work on cars and do different things like that. They cut all that because – and their justification was, you know, we value our education. We – you know, tradition of excellence, Towson High School, we think every single student in this school is capable of, you know, the college track and doing that, yeah. you know. Well, can- because they care more about being able to say 90% of our students graduating mm-hmm. go to college. Yeah. Instead of actually teaching those students anything fucking valuable. And then what are you doing to people? It's like, yeah, okay, look, yeah, there are people that are meant to be doctors and there are people that are meant to be lawyers and all these other things, but also like... It's kind of an arrogant type of point of view to say that, like, well, if you're not one of those people, you're selling yourself. Sh- oh, you just want to be a mechanic? Oh, you just want to do one of the most vital 
uh, things in society that everyone fucking needs. Yeah, everyone yeah. drives a car and everyone needs a guy who knows how to fix their car when there's something wrong. Uh, yeah, you're selling yourself short, buddy. Why don't you go work as a defense attorney and do nothing all fucking day? It's like, it's in like what it does is, is an effort. And this is kind of what it, uh, you know, kind of like retracting what I was saying before. Never. This is another quote by the, uh, androgynous unknown person that I love so much of what he, she says all the time. Um, what the fuck was it? God damn it. I completely <laughs> lost it. I completely lost it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Fuck college. <laughs> fuck college. Oh man. I was going somewhere with that. But the point the point being is that like you're actually you're actually taking these people who could have done something with their lives and not giving them the resources to do it and then instead replacing it with this feeling of 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 failure because they didn't succeed in the college track or they didn't go on to become this thing and it's like well maybe that's not what they were meant to do you know that's like another like motivating factor for what i do is like to show people that anyone can go out there and do what they want to do like in reality like there's obviously a few jobs you can't but for the most part if you want to start doing something today Go fucking do it. Like yeah. get out there, do it, learn it, master it, and then keep growing on it. And also like teaching other people how to do it too. It's like so neat. Like showing mm -hmm. some other people how to learn and, and research and do all this information or find all this information that's out there for free. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go to college for this. So yeah. do you think that the whole, I mean, like it, again, it, it's interesting to live at this time. And I, I, I like to imagine that every time kind of, it, it's weird. It's like, were there just times when like, nothing ever felt like anything was changing was there just a time like if you were born in like 1492 and like if somebody sang you the song times are changing you're like no they're not dude no there's I nothing we're chilling <laughs> i think we're chilling dude i have the same exact phone my grandfather had we don't have a phone yet and we won't what's a phone which what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like how do you see because like obviously what's cool is they always have that saying you know people walk so you can run and, and you really are on the cutting edge in this area of kind of breaking that system um i i think we win i absolutely think we win and i think we're experiencing this the death throes of the old establishment you know and i'm very interested to see how the next generation um, goes about the whole college thing versus, I mean, like, it's got to be, like, basically the way I look at it is our parents' generation, when they went to college, it meant something. Just yeah. like if I said I played basketball at University of Maryland, you'd be like, oh, this guy must have been fucking nice at basketball. He played D1 basketball. That means something. If I said now I went to Maryland for business, nobody in their right mind's going, oh, this guy's the next fucking Steve Jobs. It's like, no, you just went to, like, you've devalued the meaning of it, but our parents came up at a time when it meant Everything. a lot. It legit, like, the best, in the same way that, like, if you're a standout in football, you go on to college to play football. If you're not a standout in football, you play high school football, you get your experience from it, and then you go out and you work a job. You know, in that same way, it's like, you have to wonder, it's like, they taught us well, you know, this is how you succeed. But their their framework for how to succeed was based off of what made sense when they were our age. It doesn't make sense anymore. And so I almost feel like the next generation, right now we're all a generation that's going to college and realizing like, dude, this is like not it. Yeah. 
you know? And then when we have kids, if we have kids, you know, (laughs) assuming we're lucky enough to have kids. If the bomb doesn't drop before we have kids. (laughs) You think our kids, you think, what is it? uh, We're we're generation, we're technically generation Y, but they call us millennials. I Mm. love the name generation Y. I think we should have stuck with that. Millennials just has such a derogatory connotation at this point. It's like, it's just like when you even say that, it's like almost as bad as Boomer. Gen Z doesn't have a negative connotation. Zoomer. Gen, well, Zoomer does, but it's like us calling them that, and we're intrinsically less cool than them because we're older. True. So, like, we say, they're like, okay, dude, who cares? All right, pops. Yeah, yeah. all right, pop. <laughs> Gen X doesn't have a negative connotation. Nobody's like, all right, Xer. It's like, Gen X was pretty cool. Dude, they were living their life. I mean, look at Woodstock 99. Like, yeah. I wish I was around for that. <laughs> Here you know, Netflix would disagree. Stage. Oh, man. <laughs> I got chills. Like when I heard Corn like just open up that set and then Limp Biscuit play. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. I think the next generation is going to be called uh, Generation Alpha. Is that what? So, so the next generation after Gen Z, I believe they're already being born, which does imply the existence of a Generation Beta. Which is sad yeah. and regrettable. I don't really like the whole like you're gonna have like kids and be like I'm an alphabet. Can alpha they just male. like switch <laughs> the alphabet? Can they do like non Greek now? Well, the thing is, it's like no, because I'm Greek. And... <laughs> <laughs> or why don't they like switch to numbers? Because I mean, because you gotta have like a ring to it, dude. Like gen, like Generation it's like X. Hurricanes. Yes, they gotta sound exactly. cool. <laughs> yeah, this is Hurricane One Million Four Thousand Six Hundred Seventy Eight. That's not cool. No, this is Hurricane Katrina, bitch. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina. That has and a she ring. She wants to, to see the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she wants to see the manager. <laughs> no, but it's like that generation of kids, they're going to come up learning from us. And they're going to probably be the ones that are like, they're they're in a good place right now. Because we're like, as much as people like to hate on millennials, dude, we've had to overcome a lot. Yeah. We really had. We had to be the generation that saw life before the internet and then, like, we, we played outside, played pickup football outside. Yeah, we grew up on the literal wild, wild west of the internet. Yes. Yes. I, I was in, like, elementary school when I saw Rotten.com. Oh, boy. Well, let's <laughs> like, not go there. Yeah. That orgish. What was yeah. Our, uh, like, there's so best many. Best gore. Yeah, stuff was, like that. Stuff like yeah. that. Well, you even mentioned, we like. We didn't need to see that. No, we did not. <laughs> we were, we're fucking Bane, dude. We were born in the darkness. We were born in the darkness. And, and you, we made, uh, we all collectively made an excellent point, if I do say, that, like, thank God MySpace, our MySpace pages don't exist. Mm. Yeah. Because we came up at a time when, like, they were just trialing, they were the fucking Baltimore Leaning Tower of Pisa trying it. We're like, we got this whole thing built in this one. I was like, dude, this is definitely going to fall down. And then it did. <laughs> and then the next guy came along and built something. It was like, well, this is now going to control the universe in Facebook and Instagram and every other me- between the three tech companies. <laughs> you're going to live here. You're going to live here. <laughs> and so we really lucked out as a generation to have all of our cringiest, stupidest, dumbest shit on MySpace, which is now evaporated from the stratosphere. But what if you're a kid who who's 13 now? Everything you've ever done is on the internet. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and you like can't escape it. Up. And backed up. Yeah. You can't escape it. You know? And that's kind of what also leads me to believe that, like, there's going to have to be a collective agreement as a society that goes, you know what, dude? Uh, I don't know if it's the best idea that we all hold each other accountable for every single thing we've ever done or said in our entire lives because we all had TikTok in seventh grade. 
and <laughs> almost like a five-year like blanket grace period yeah. for yeah. everyone it's like, like listen guys in like 2050 it's like guys don't worry we're deleting all the old snapchats we shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't have been using those filters that was wrong of us they told us it was 10 seconds listen the deers the got like a dog face filter the on, deers like. hate that we were using the deer face filter <laughs> <laughs> the deers which now have equal rights yes. to us <laughs> Oh my God! I, I want to know this. Um, you know, taking a more lighter note now that we've figured out um, society. Um, you, they have a thing called urban spelunking, and this has been a fantastical obsession of mine. The idea of exploring the sewers underground, uh. going down. I've always found it so fascinating that there is an entire. I'm going to dramatize it and call it an underground city. I know it's not really that. I know there's not much popping off underground, but it's a lot. You know, there's a lot of stuff down there. I always thought it was cool, like how, like, um, uh, like these bars during the Prohibition era would like dig tunnels underneath. Like, apparently, somebody was telling me the other day that there's a tunnel, um, leading from the Admiral Felin's basement to the, uh, the, the dock. Like right at the dock, and you could go under Thames Street, under the Admiral's Cup, and get there and it was used as part of the Underground Railroad. Now, I chose to believe that because it sounds awesome. Um, you haven't said it's not true yet, so I'm gonna. I haven't <laughs> heard that one, but I mean, I know <laughs> that there's a lot of like the city does have a lot of tunnels. Um, you know, back during the earlier days, uh, late late 1800s, early 1900s, um, a lot of the storefronts and businesses had a tunnel system to get all their goods basically from street level from where it's delivered into the business, which where they were stored in the basement. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier for them to go all the way down and then in mm. versus like trucking everything through, you know, the front door um, yeah. where they had their showroom at and they didn't want to disturb everyone. Um, so you can actually still see some of the tunnels if you are off of Redwood street and Utah, um, or not Utah, whatever the next, yeah, that is Utah. Um, there's a uh, a knockdown building that's missing, but like if you look on the backside and look towards Baltimore Street, you can see the tunnels running underneath the street still to this day. Um, wow! And like so, those run all over the city. But then you do have like Jones Falls, uh, mm -hmm. like for the drains and everything like that. Now, have you like because even at Towson High, you know, at any school built during the Cold War era, they have literal bomb shelters underneath the schools. The fallout the, shelters, yeah, yeah, the fallout shelters, mm -hmm. yes. And Towson High School has one. And apparently the entrance to it is like by where the old auditorium, where the auditorium is. It's like in some weird thing. There's just a door that then takes you like a half a mile out until you're like under the baseball field, which is actually not a half a mile. It's like fucking 100 yards, but whatever, dude. It's all about embellishing. Makes any story better. <laughs> any story is better. And I'm like sitting there. I'm thinking like that was always a dream of mine. Just be like, see it. Because like you are witnessing. Like there's something fascinating about this like untouchedness. Like you could go down and see where like some like slummy bar dug out a separate hole leaking into the sewer so they could like dispose of all their like illegal waste and shit like that. Nobody could track it or anything like that. There, there was this tunnel. Um, I can't remember the name where it was like near the American brewery building in like North Northeast Baltimore mm -hmm. um, off gay street. And it was a bugle laundry facility. So it was like this ancient uh, laundry place that was built in like the early 1900s. And when they were doing the demo for it, they let me come in and check it out and so I'm going all the way down to the third, like to basically the third basement. So like we're three stories down underneath the ground. And it's wow. pitch black. And there's all these old sewing machines, and like old equipment there. But there's this wall that had caved in and it was an old tunnel system that ran between all the buildings in that area. And it just was like full of like old shit. 
and it was yeah, the coolest thing like ever. Preserved to time. Yeah, um, I didn't go inside of it because it was like I'm already so far down underneath the ground. The air is probably stale as hell. I'm not going to go inside there. Yeah. Um, you know, old first. air got to be uh, safe. Me and my girlfriend help run a ghost tour in Sykesville every October. Um, but one of the stops that we go on is this guy's house. It's like one of the oldest houses in Sykesville. It was built like right after the town flood that like wiped out half the city. But like some random guy like in the early 2000s bought the house and noticed that there was a little cracking in the foundation. So you had an inspector come out and they're like, oh no, this is like a walled up part of your basement. And they cracked it down and realized it was like a blacksmith shop and it was completely just preserved. All the tools were still there. Apparently his house was an old fire station. And then they're like, wait, there's another wall back there. Cracked it open and it was the town's first jail cell. Boy, and there were just like five jail cells. And they like, they're like, where the fuck are they? Are we? It was built under like the hill next to his house. Like hmm. no one knew it was there. It's super cool. All the pictures are online. Oh. Everything is still preserved. Like wow. he didn't even touch it because he's just like, you know, like why the fuck not? Like I, I, no one touched it before me. Why am I going to disturb it now? I want to go to that house and check it out now. There's so yeah, yeah. there's so much yeah there's so much fascination about just this idea. Like I always just have this dream where like I still do. I I still one of my other fantastical goals in life is to have a a, a house with like a secret room. I thought mm, that I always like the yeah. idea of pulling the book. You know, of course, I think people would immediately catch on if I just had like a bunch of books at my house. Like, yeah, he doesn't read. Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> Obviously, I'm gonna pull this random book. Yeah, it's just the- a big bookshelf with one book on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it doesn't seem the door right. flips around a bunch of times. Sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! But like, it, it, it. There's something fascinating to me about this. Kind of in the same way, just understanding the context of what you're doing. It's like living above ground and then being completely removed from everything underneath you and just and just having no idea that so much history exists in these places you never even think about again it's like the inner workings inner workings of your car or even the inner works inner workings of your body like like biology is the, is the understanding of like how all this is working like why is it that i'm having a thought and then i just like say it like this i'm just like i'm making we're all just making noises right now but we all agree on the same noises so we make sense to each other you know what i mean and the podcast before this i think they hotboxed the studio so James <laughs> yeah. <on> fire right <laughs> now. <laughs> what language are we speaking right now <laughs> brought to you by we skyline lurkers <laughs> <laughs> but like d- history and 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 urban excavation as you call it is the understanding of the inner workings of your city and also and also the the you know understanding the history of it like seeing that like holy shit like you know i i i was driving down cromwell valley road right across the street from lock raven high school and there's this road that um has been blocked off just straight up blocked off not like big blocked off like a fence but like two of those like fucking like jersey walls just stacked and you're just like all right, they don't really look like they're trying that hard to keep anybody out, but like you're not allowed to drive there. And I see why they did it because like I tried to make a left turn in and almost caused like an 18 car pileup because it's literally at the peak of a hill. So like you can't see if anybody's coming. And then you're just like, all right, this is my time, baby. And then boom, <laughs> you know, so I barely, I actually had to make, go down, make a U turn at Lock Raven, come back up and then go in. And we're walking up this road and it's just this normal fucking road. And you're sitting there thinking, like, what was this road for? 
Like, why? And then you're walking up and you're seeing all the woods and stuff. And then you just come out to a neighborhood. And I walk up to the street sign and it says Oakley Road. I'm like, oh, this is this is Oakley Road. So I guess Oakley Road used to run all the way down to Cromwell Valley. And I guess they blocked it off because they realized this intersection is ridiculously dangerous. But like, then I realized that I, even today, living in this area for 30 years, it like put into context. I was like, oh, when I'm driving on Cub Hill here, I'm actually like right where like Conrad's Crabs is, like a block that way. But I never saw it that way because there was no connector mm. there. You know, it was just blocked off. That was my big version of urban exploration today. Walked around, I saw some stuff happen. It was like, I felt like it, it was just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I like doing stuff like that. I like I like the idea. I think, you know, seeing the penguin and Batman living in the sewers kind of like dramatize it for me. But I like the idea that there's just like, when I hear like hobos living, do people say say hobos? Do people still say hobos? So, right? You just did, so. Yeah. Hobos? <laughs> Hobo. It it's, sounds. It's like a cuter word than homeless. I'm hoping that it's cuter and not more bad. I always I like think... to tie that with like people that run the trains. Like uh, the ones that rode trains. Yeah, yeah, with, like, yeah. Like little stick and satchel. Yeah, thing. the bindles. The yeah. worldly. <laughs> I want to see one of those Well traveled. The worldly homeless. The worldly homeless, dude. <laughs> the travelers, you know. I just like, I just, I just think that's cool, man. I really you do. You should, uh, I mean, if you like doing stuff like that, there's. We, we kind of got our start with this whole like looking for history stuff back during the pandemic because we were just out hiking mm-hmm. and we were using this old 1876 atlas and mapping out spots where old homes used to be in like state parks. And we would just like go out and look for the old foundations and be like, oh, this is cool because they were so far off the beaten path, like the normal trails that you would like make your own. And you just go exploring through the woods and you would see like old roads, uh, car parts, things like that just scattered throughout the woods. Yeah. Have I don't I- know how legal this is, but uh, do it back to Sykesville. The entire old city of Sykesville is on the opposite side of the river that cuts through town right now in Sykesville Forest or whatever it's called. So there's like there's just a bunch of home foundations, all this crazy stuff over there. Might be worth checking out. Yeah. I also mean, love it. Uh Lock Raven Reservoir. That's what I was getting to. Like that's actually yeah. where we started. We were walking through a lot of that area because you can find all those home sites. Still there. Um, you just got to, again, just pull up the maps and start mapping out everything and find like known points and just. So I'm now enthralled. So, so you have all already dug, delved into Lock Raven and like the whole uh, story behind that, I believe, or at least what I tell people. Um, I think my part in history as a teacher of history is to maybe lie a little bit, but make it sound way more awesome than it was. So like <laughs> to get people interested in history. Like, dude, hey, if you're that interested, you'll figure out I'm lying. Until then, you know, whatever. But like apparently that was like an actual like somewhat of a town mm-hmm. a little bit. And it was just completely flooded. And yep. like, you know, when it was a big drought growing up around here, whenever there was a drought, you could see like the steeple of the church. And like that is just mind boggling to me. And like so like you've done like actual exploration around that area and found like you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I've like definitely wandered through like the whole Lock Raven area, uh, looking for the old homes. Not so much in like obviously the reservoir itself, but the hillsides, uh, just looking for any type of roads or any structures that are left behind. Um, I mean, roads are pretty obvious, like through a forest, like even 100 and 200 years later, yeah. there's still like this clear cut yeah, and, and nothing like, grows back in it. So I like, know oh. what this is. Dude. Yep. Yeah. You start walking like this is really strange, about the size of a car. So this thing right now, if you're doing the numbers here, in the past two years, you've had an immense amount of success. Um, this is clearly a passion of yours. Um, 
do you see yourself getting to the point where it becomes such a thing? Well, first of all, I guess the first step for you is, um, which is kind of a, a passionless question, but, uh, you know, you really start to enjoy life if you can start making money off of the things that you're passionate about. Do you uh, have any idea of how you're going to be able to, or if you even want to eventually get to a point where you can actually start making a living off of this passion? Or are you just kind of in a position where you're like, I do well at my job and like, just leave me the fuck alone and I'll just keep digging places for fun. For the most part right now, it's just doing it for fun. Uh, I'm not really concerned about the money, especially when it comes to like history. There are other institutions in the city I'd rather see money go to. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I can't donate to them anymore because of the whole ordeal with the state. They don't let you donate mm-hmm. anymore. Oh, they got uh, um, the yeah, they blacklisted you. Yeah, they well. So the museum self did not. It mm-hmm. was other people like basically threatening them, saying if you continue to take anything, any monetary item oh, donations geez. from him directly. We will. Uh, you can't even uh, give people like artifacts that you find. That I can still do. Okay, that I still okay. do. Mm. I still do donate artifacts to Baltimore Museum of Industry. Okay, but nice. me doing like direct uh, financial donations uh, can't do that anymore. So uh, that's why I have a fundraiser right now on my Instagram for them. So people yeah. have been donating a lot of money to them. Help awesome. me change my name so I can start donating. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> give me a new identity. That is kind of <laughs> fucked up that you just can't donate. Like I remember one time I went to the bank. And I was trying to deposit $500 in my bank account. And they were like, well, we need to see your verification for your identity and stuff. And I was like, I was like, do me a favor. Next time some random dude comes into the bank <laughs> and tries to fraudulently put $500 in my bank account, just let him. Yeah, just let, let him. him. I, why, are you, why are you gatekeeping a deposit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no like big plans. Uh, I mean, there's some things in the works uh, that mm-hmm. are not directly related to this. Um, there's, you know, TV deals and things like that that are, you know, moving forward. So, um, but outside of that, nothing directly like with salvage arc, the TV deals, the things like that, dude, history channel, that'd be sick. Yeah. Well, they're, uh, they're out. So we're, we're looking at uh, another, another network that has a big letter for their name. History channel is like, dude, we already have, uh, uh, 23 hours a day of pawn stars. And I don't know if we can fit you in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, it, it would have been a fresh face for that network, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. We're old enough in this room to remember when History Channel was good. Yeah, the World War II Channel. That's what it used to be called. Yeah. That's what I called it. Oh, I yeah. Loved it. I, used to lo- I used to love the History Channel, dude. And now it's just like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. What are you doing? So so it's still in your mind. like Pat. The only reason I even bring up the whole money aspect is because even if it's not something you're personally profiting off of, the idea of, like, like you said, like you're not really able to do any like anything that would require like immense funding like you can't scuba dive lock raven you know no. you might be able to i, I don't, don't know, know if like steve ashadi or kevin plank want to donate some money to me like holler at your boy that would be sick hey. that's what i'm saying that'd be sick guys if you want to donate some sagamore whiskey to the studio feel yeah. Free to do that <laughs> yeah you too. can also contribute to our <laughs> us too you know we're changing lives as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> the Maryland Archaeological Society loves us. As far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, I mean, like, if you're trying to weigh out your balance here, listen, our outhouse is behind the studio, yeah. so in like 50 years, if you want to dig through that, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Who knows? Who knows I don't want a bunch of daddy light cans. I'm good. <laughs> no, man, that's awesome, dude. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Yeah, thanks for having dude. me. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Such an absolute pleasure. Fun cast. Um, anything you want to plug before you leave? Obviously. 
Uh, I'm right. going to start a Twitch channel. So if you like that, you know, feel Hell free yeah. to follow me on there. Salvage Arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Instagram, Salvage Arc. And YouTube, Salvage Arc. Great at this branding thing. That's Arc with, dude, trust me. ARC. That is the best. When There's no thing I hate more than when somebody has a brand and they're like, oh, I'm uh, Salvage underscore Arc one on Twitter. And I'm like, your boy Salvage Arc on Instagram. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You have to make it as easy as possible. Salvage Arc with no H. Yeah. ARC. Um, which may lead you to think of the Bible story. But that's a K. <laughs> oh, is it? I don't know. Talk to your teachers. <laughs> I think you might have to. I think you might have to, dude. Evan Woodard, thank you so much, dude, for coming out. Um, Eric, what you got coming up, dude? Um, just follow me at Eric Glazer on everything, at LFTS Podcast on everything. I feel like I have something coming up, but I don't want to take out my phone right now. I'm too bo- lazy. Too um, bored and lazy. I'm too bored to take out my phone. <laughs> no. Uh, Boring. <laughs> Snooze fest looking at his phone right now, dude. Um, But yeah, no. Keep an eye out. I got some shit coming up. Fuck yeah, baby. Um, Guys, if you are in the Baltimore area, we got some a couple things coming up this week. Um, Well, first of all, if you're listening to this episode now, hopefully tonight, uh, I will be at The Horse You Came In On with the band uh, 10 to Close. Uh, that's Friday, November 11th. That's 11-11, baby. Make a wish. Make a wish upon a shooting star that you will see sophomore at the horse you came in on tonight. And uh, that wish will come true. Um, other than that, as far as next week, every Tuesday at Perennial in Towson, 5 to 8.30, I will be playing the anniversary party at Riptide in Fells Point. Uh it is their some amount of years anniversary. I don't know how many years that is. I'm going to say like three or four since the new owners bought it. Uh, uh, so it's open to the public after eight. So if you're in the Fells Point area and you look at your watch and it's 8.01 and you're not somebody that was allowed in at 7.59, mm-hmm. come on Jimmy in. Jimmy will be pulling up in his car. Yeah, late. An about hour late. to unload <laughs> yes. his music equipment. And you can see me. About to unload. <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, Jimmy's Seafood out in, uh, you know, someone called Dundalk, but technically uh, a neighborhood that has no name that I'm aware of. Uh, Jimmy's Seafood, 6 to 9 on Friday. And if you are in the the D.C. area, uh, Montgomery County Boys, I'll be down in Gaithersburg at the Kentlands at Vine Alley. If you like wine, come on out, baby. We got wine. It's in the name, Vine. That's where wine comes from. I'll be there 6.30 to 8.30, solo, dolo, at Jimmy Celeste on everything, at Sophomore MD, the band, at Eric Glazer, at Salvage Arc, across the board. Evan Woodard, thank you very much. Until next week, folks. Peace. Peace.